0: Hey, y'all, welcome back to the show this week. Thanks for being here with me. I am chatting with the legendary rebel girl, Ashley Evan smith But before we jump to the episode, make sure you send me a DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you think about this episode and make sure that you send me a message on Facebook if that's where you feel more comfortable. I'm hanging out on both most of the time. Let me know what I can do to help you live your best life. Also, I've got a really cool announcement. Something new's happening. And you have the ability to have me coach you through whatever type of relationship problem with yourself or others that you're experiencing. So here's what you need to do: go over to Dr. Christy Overstreet forward slash podcast. There's a form on the bottom that says be my guest. You'll get to put in your question, your email, and your name. And what happens is I look at all of these, and then I pick a question out, and then you and I will set up a time to get on a call where we will talk through whatever issue you're dealing with, and I'll definitely share my thoughts on what's happening and give you some strategies and tips. And we'll use that here on the podcast, but don't worry. You can make up a fake name if you want to and don't want to use your real name, or you can use it, totally up to you. But it gives me a chance to talk with you there listening And we'll get to talk about your specific problem you're dealing with. So I can't wait to chat with you. And make sure you head on over and submit that form if you want to chat with me. Now, let's jump on to today's guest, Ashley Evans-Smith. You may know her better as Rebel Girl. She is a world-class athlete, UFC fighter, and MMA artist. She is a force to be reckoned with physically, intellectually, and creatively. She grew up in a small town. She was the only girl on the boys' wrestling team. She was a college wrestler and mass communication major. She had her own journey of trials and tribulations to figure out her life as she went through to develop her athletic career. From juvenile detention facility for assault with a deadly weapon, yep, she stabbed somebody when she was intoxicated. That almost ruined the opportunities she had created for herself through athletics and academics. She became a model college student for four years and graduated with four years sobriety, which is really incredible. After her college career, she started drinking again and dealt with alcoholism through her career. But through her work with mentors, coaches and teams, she went pro after nine amateur fights and then she took off. She is 6'5 overall and looking to fight her way back into the rankings. And once ranked as high as number 11 in the world, she knows the top is only a few wins away She is currently building her fight record, moving up the ranks, and looking forward to earning a title shot to get where she knows she belongs, which is champion of the world. Now sober, she appreciates where life has taken her and hopes that she can help others not make mistakes that she's made in the past. She wants to leave this world a better place by inspiring others with her stories, as well as helping others open up about theirs. That's why she has one of my favorite podcasts, Sex and Violence with Rebel Girl, where she interviews high level fighters as well as other experts in their fields about their personal stories of love, romance, and sexual experiences. You're gonna be inspired by how Ashley has dealt with her share of struggles along the way. She comes from this family of drug abusers and became an alcoholic very early. She shares her struggles on and off into the age of 32 and how she is now creating the life and relationships she deserves. Make sure that if you didn't listen to our episode on sex and violence a couple of weeks ago, that you go check that out on the podcast. She had me on and we had a really great conversation about a lot of things people don't typically talk about, but there's no need to wait me longer. You get to hear my interview here as well with Ashley. I know you're going to enjoy it and be inspired. So sit back, relax and enjoy the chat. <music> y'all and welcome to the Fix Yourself First with Dr. Christie podcast. This is a show for people who are tired of waiting on others to change and ready to focus on themselves in order to improve their relationships. I've learned from my personal and professional life as a psychotherapist and relationship expert that the only way to have a healthy relationship was when I realized that I have to fix myself first versus waiting on others to change. Thank you for listening to my show and go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss any future ones. Now let's get started. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Glad to have you here. Thank you for having me, Dr. Christie. I'm so excited to have you here. And it was such an honor to be on Sex and Violence, your podcast. And I'm in love with a few weeks ago. And we're going to talk more about that. But to help everyone get to know you a little bit better, tell us a little bit about you as a person, you, one thing you've shared a bit on your podcast and your story is growing up in a small town. And here you are this world-class athlete that everyone's heard about from the bio and, and people know you as and being rebel girl. Were you always interested in wrestling and sports growing up in that small town?
1: Yeah, it's, um, uh, I'm not sure how many people there are, there are, that are living there now. But, um, I think when I was younger, there was like 15,000 or something like that, you know, so not the smallest town, but, you know, growing up, there was a Walmart that me and my friends would go and hang yes. out at. because That was the biggest thing around and one bowling alley, two bars, that, that kind of a town. Yeah. So I just, uh, I got real lucky that I ended up playing sports at a young age. I, I was on the boys wrestling team, which is kind of unheard of. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got lucky in the sense that it kind of kept me from doing, uh, you know, I still got in plenty of trouble as a kid, but it kept me uh, a little bit more on the on the right path than if I didn't have sports at all. And what I end up doing was getting a scholarship to go to college. And um, I just I come from a family that I was I'm still the black sheep of the family because I play sports and I you know uh, I'm healthy and I don't eat meat and you know I don't do drugs and. Um, and I went to college. And so, you know, my family, we just, that's just not what has been traditional with my family and my upbringing. So I kind of got away from my small town. And ever since I've just, I've been a a small fish in a big pond trying to make a name for myself. And I feel
0: like I'm doing a a decent job at that. (laughs) Decent job is an understatement of the year. Like you are doing incredible with All that you're doing, you are a professional athlete who is really evolving, but you're such a, you're like a multiple threat, meaning Mm -hmm. you've got, you know, all of your talents as an MMA fighter, your collegiate wrestling career, your journalism background, your incredible podcast that we're going to talk more about. Like you've got all these really great things happening because you've worked your ass off for them. And I think that's what's so Um, So beautiful about your journey and you've been so open with your journey. So as you kind of look back and growing up in that small town and kind of being the black sheep, how are you viewed? Do you ever hear about how people are viewing you now as this in the spotlight professional athlete?
1: I Unfortunately, I'm kind of a bad daughter, granddaughter in the sense that I don't go home too often and it's a small town and, and, uh, you know, with small towns. Uh, comes a lot of talk, right? So yes. my grandfather, when I do talk to him, who I'm very close with, he lets me though know that he goes to the store and, you know, do you know my granddaughter is a UFC fighter? And I'm, like, I'm sure everybody at the you know at the supermarket appreciates that. And um, you know, and most of the time he says that everybody goes, Oh, we know Ashley, yeah, we watch her on TV and stuff like that. So I think it's a good um connotation for the most part, but to be, you know, like you said, I'm very open and honest with my story. And part of my story is that right before I went to college, I was being a bad kid and I was drinking a lot and partying with my my friends. And I ended up, um, I know it's crazy to say, I ended up stabbing a guy when I was 17. And so I almost lost my scholarship. You know, I went to Julie for a short uh, period of time. and just had to reevaluate my life. So even though what, I'm 33 so like you know almost 20 years has gone by people still know me as that girl who <laughs> stabbed that guy even though I've done a lot of good right. things you know, to try and make up for that uh, since then. So that's just, I think, how small towns work. You know, when you do something, you're forever going to be known as that person, even if you cure cancer.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. You're so right about that. A couple of things. I bet your grandfather, I mean, your whole family has got to be so proud of you and it lights them up to be able to share you know, what all you've been able to accomplish as a UFC fighter and as a professional athlete. It's really incredible. And growing up in a small town, I can relate. I grew up in a very small farming town in South Georgia. And, um, you know, talk is talk is plentiful. And if you would told me I would be sitting here as a sex therapist, as an adult, when growing up, No. And it took me forever to even put on my Facebook page of what I did because of my own shame and embarrassment of how it'd be talked about in the town or the blowback on family and that type of thing. So I I understand that part is difficult in those towns. And from you, what you've been through to even get to reevaluate your life at such a young age and to pull it together. I bet it was really scary to think of losing that scholarship when all that stuff went down to think because you're what I saw mine as, um, I have a scholarship and I wasn't an athlete that was a golfer and that really doesn't count, um, to my golfers. It counts, but I wasn't going to be playing in college at it, but to think that like, that was my ticket for me, that was my ticket to get out and to kind of see what my journey was. And yours was possibly leaving you at that time. What was that lie? It was very scary, you know, because, um,
1: it's bittersweet to hear this in the sense that like, Oh, wow, this girl knew what she wanted, but it came from kind of a place of, of uh, disappointment. So my whole life growing up, I had been met with a lot of disappointment from my family members. There weren't, there wasn't any physical abuse mm-hmm. or, you know, anything of that nature. But um, a lot of, a lot of my uh, relatives were checked out, you know, there was some drug, mm-hmm. uh, drug abuse and drug use in my family. And what was, comes with drug abuse is um, neglect. So it's just kind of like I had to kind of raise myself at certain points in my life and learn these kind of hard lessons with my friends or on on the streets or, you know, whatever. And um, at one point I had just realized that one of the biggest lessons I learned was I never wanted to end up like my mom or some of my other family members who have really, um, you know, just not made the most of their life or gotten involved with drugs, and you know, let it take over their their whole life. So when I was sitting in that little juvenile hall jail cell with my big dreams of getting out of the small town and you know, just you know, just getting out of town was the biggest thing and making something of myself and, and getting a college degree and. Um, you know, I did at that point, I didn't even really know what I wanted. I just knew I wanted to get out of town. And um, it was soul crushing. And so, you know, one great thing that happened was at an early age, like you said, I had to reevaluate my life. And I stopped drinking for four years in college, which is kind of a flip flop than yeah. from what most people do, right. So um, I had went real hard from 1213 till 17, got put in juvie realized like okay I'm going down the wrong path and just cleaned up my act I was you know senior representative of my class I was the college wrestling coach um, I was the captain of my college wrestling team I was an RA you know resident assisted in the dorms uh, I just became you know the model image of someone who didn't want to fuck up anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know if I can say it, that oh, yeah well that's what it is yeah okay, yeah so um I tell people this story and I'm very candid and open with it because like I've talked to you, I believe that shame dies when stories are told in safe places, meaning you may have this shame about something that happened to you, but then you hear a story of someone else who went through the same thing and overcame. And then all of a sudden that shame is gone. And you realize that we're all human. We all fuck up and we all just have to take it with a grain of salt, learn our lesson and move on. Mm -hmm. So, um, doing that was, you know, being in that situation where I had to reevaluate my my life at a young age to me saved my life because let's say hypothetically, I didn't stab that guy at an early age. I did it a year later in college. I'm an adult. I lose my scholarship, you know, all these things. So I just tried to look at it from the best point of view was like, okay, I learned this lesson just in the nick of time before I became an official adult and my whole life could have been ruined. And that's just the way I have to look at it now. It's I'm not proud of it, but I'm also not ashamed of it. It's something that happened to me and, and I moved on and I'm, I'm a better person now.
0: Well, I think that's what's beautiful about your journey is you made the decision like life. You had a pivot and you made that decision. I'm going to turn it in a different direction versus using it to add more like fuel to the fire and go spiral down because that's the easy way. out. What you did was a tough way out of it, because you had to do a lot of sacrifices. I mean, I mean, you just being an athlete, there's a thousand sacrifices you make, but to go through that negative experience, go through your own trauma around that and then to come out of, it's really incredible. And I have to ask with college, I mean, I know you were, you know, the the girl and the guys wrestling team in high school. What was it like in college? Did y'all have a female wrestling team? Was it a mixed wrestling team?
1: Yeah. I'm very fortunate. You know, uh, I'm 33 right now. So I was 17 my freshman year of college. I was a little kind of young mm-hmm. for my age, but uh, that was in 2005. So it, from 2005 to 2009 was when I was in college at Menlo College. And at that time, uh, that's in the Bay Area, private college, the so student loans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes.
1: But, um, you know, at that time, there was only six collegiate women's programs in the U.S. Oh and wow. it was Kentucky. Uh, Oregon. Um, I believe there was, it was like a lot of like Midwest kind of places. And I just, you know, a little California girl, I was like, I don't want to go to, you know, like I'm already from a small town. I don't want to go to like another one horse town. And I, I heard about Menlo college in Silicon Valley in the Bay area. And, um, it was going to be a lot of student loans, but it was worth it. And I, you know, I, I went, I went there and it was an all female wrestling team, you know, only six in the U S at the time and it just, just changed my life. You know, the camaraderie that you build with those women and the, obviously I got a degree, you know, bachelor's in communications and whatnot, but um, the lessons, the life lessons that I learned, especially coming from a small town and a family who didn't teach me these kind of good morals and ethics and, and, and that kind of stuff. It's just invaluable. And I just did a podcast the other day and I talk about how college was one of the most important and influential times of my life. It's such a small window, but it just really shaped me into the human that I am today. And, and I'm very grateful for that.
0: What's so wild is in hearing you describe that, like your college years and that support and that team and those women and the camaraderie that helped build this really healthy framework for you becoming this young adult where The rest of us, or I say most of us, college was a shit show in the sense (laughs) of like, that was the time was wild and out and everything else, figuring yourself out and lots of toxic things. So it's really, really incredible that that was your journey and you saw it and framed it that way. And that's where I know sports are so important because you took that direction and the sports really, you saved yourself, but sports helped in that way and gave you that family, that team. And, and all that. So that's really incredible. So what happened post college? How you've got this journalism degree, which is really you know great skills to have, and you were finishing college. What happened next? And how the how did you find yourself in the UFC? So I graduated in two
1: thousand and nine. Which um, if you guys don't know, two thousand eight two thousand nine was the recession, and it was just hard times for everybody. I couldn't even get. <clears throat> so I was the. Editor of my newspaper, my junior senior year, and I couldn't even get an internship at the San Jose Mercury or the San Francisco Chronicle, which you know at those times were going wow. up business because this change in mediums, you know, uh, you know, technology was changing and social media was, was was you know Facebook was a thing. But you know, I remember having to to urge my friend to create a Facebook. Now everybody's on Facebook and, and Instagram and all that. So at this point, it was just so hard for me even to get you know, an inter- an unpaid job, let, a- yeah. let alone a paid job for my, um, with my degree. And so I just started bartending to make ends meet because, um, you know, some people have their family to financially help back on and I've never had that. So, you know, it's, it's one of those situations that's bittersweet, you know, it, you either sink or swim. Right. And, um, I just knew that, no, I wasn't, I didn't come that far to get that far. And so I started bartending and, you know, got to survive. And I just got so lucky that I happened to be bartending and a man named Eugene Jackson uh, walked into the bar and basically uh, suggested, you know, oh, you're a big, strong girl. You know, I just opened an MMA gym and long story short, this chance happening wow. kind of um led me down a path of of mixed martial arts and fighting and being a professional athlete, because at that point I was just lost. I graduated, you know, my intent was to become this investigative journalist. I wanted to go overseas and I wanted to, you know, travel and maybe in the war zone. And I just wanted to, to make, I wanted to really make a difference. And I want you know, I've got like this fearless side to me that I was like, I could I could go to war, you know, I could do something, I could, you know, I could go to battle and um, you know, I've definitely always had that warrior kind of that that made for battle kind of heart and uh, and I have always wanted to leave this world a better place than, you know, than I I found it and I think, you know, you know, this this man, meeting this man, you know, I didn't realize at the time, but it was just like this sharp right turn, you know, not not good or bad, it was just a different direction and than what I expected to do with my degree and whatnot. And um I'm so happy I went down that that path because I can't imagine, you know, no offense to anybody who does this, but like, you know, a nine to five job. It's just not, not, it's not I'm not made for that. I'm not made for that. And and um I'm happy now and uh just my life is just very unusual and it has come um unexpectedly, but I'm so grateful the, the way that it turned out.
0: You're talking about those chance encounters and the universe giving you an opportunity, you seeing it, you jumping on it, and then working your butt off and the sacrifices and everything, you know, since then. So with your MMA as being a fighter, how did Rebel Girl find you? How did you come up with your name? Yeah, it's funny what you just said. You basically just said um, success
1: is opportunity met with hard work right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I realized a lot in my life, probably to the, to just few years, just these past few years that uh, I had all these opportunities, but, you know, and I'm like, wow, I just got lucky. I got lucky. Well, I, I did in a way, but but I had to work hard with those opportunities. So not everyone would have been successful. I, I've worked very hard in my life, whether it was physically or mentally or emotionally, and, um, and it's paid off. And, the rebel girl tattoo on my, um, the side of my head, mm-hmm. that's where my, my fight nickname comes from. Uh, everybody kind of has a nickname, um, mm-hmm. it's just kind of very WWE ish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think you have that in tennis or, or basketball or wow. something you have it in fighting and it's fun. And, um, you know, I, I have lots of tattoos obviously. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this tattoo, I got it before it became my nickname. And I basically was at a, a signing in new york someone had flown me out there to sign some you know like a meet and greet type of situation mm-hmm. and the man was like oh can you write rebel girl on my um my my card you know the the picture of me and, and i was like uh that's that's not my name he's like well to me you're a rebel girl you wow. that just fit you seem like a rebel oh. girl and i was like well i mean I, you know kind of why i got it tattooed on my head is that i feel that i kind of embody that a little mm-hmm. bit it actually comes from." Um, If you're familiar with punk rock, the band is called Bikini Kill. Mm -hmm. And Kathleen Hanna is this woman who was the the lead singer and the front woman of a very iconic punk band who um, it's kind of like a feminist movement, if you will, uh, in the punk scene. And it was all about women kind of standing up for themselves and doing their own thing. And um, so I got the tattoo just because um, I loved what it stood for. I, I loved it. And someone called me that. And then it kind of just stuck. And, um, you're not supposed to create your own know, nicknames. It's, you know, kind of like an unwritten rule people do, but, uh, it's much cooler if someone else gives it to you. And, uh, that's the story behind it. Kind of, kind of weird it just happened though. Well, it found you
0: the the yeah, name uh, rebel girl was out there circulating in the universe and it lined up with you and your personality, what you stand for and who you are. And <laughs> and that person helped kind of bridge that to you. So I am a big believer in things find us, When we realize it, and it's all about if we do something with it or not. And you did; you were there waiting for it, and (laughs) it it met up with you, and and here you are. You know, I I think that's an incredible story to have. And uh, what's your favorite part of being a fighter? Like, what what would you say is like your favorite part of it?
1: Oh, that's such a loaded question because there's so many great things that are involved in my my job. You know, it doesn't feel like a job sometimes. It's just like you know, I wake up and I'm like, wow, this is. (laughs) This is really my job. And especially like when I'm I've they've flown me somewhere and I wake up in some hotel and I'm, you know, getting ready for to walk out in front of thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that, you know, are cheering for me. That's I'm really living my dream right now. And and I'm very grateful for that. Um sorry, what was your question? (laughs) Well, I
0: think you answered it. Your favorite part of of being a fighter, you get to live your dream. I mean, that's huge. I think the biggest thing is that for so long, or it depends.
1: I mean, you you have a goal in your mind, right? And then you work to, towards that goal. Sometimes, you know, it comes quickly, sometimes slowly, for the most part, slowly, because just that's just how life works. You got to work and you got to work and you got to work. And then, you know, sometimes you see results and sometimes you don't. And for me, I, I didn't see results for a long time. And um, people always ask me, like, what would you what's your advice to other fighters or other women? And, and and I always say the same thing. It's like, you're going to want to give up a million and one times, but you got to keep going a million and two. Mm -hmm. And when you do those, that's when you see the success, you know, like I've had financial problems, boyfriend problems, family problems, you know, emotional, mental, you know, questions. Am I doing the right thing? Like you name it. It's, it's crossed my path. And, you know, maybe I stumbled, but I kept going. And and so for me to be living my dream from working hard and kind of overcoming my struggles, no matter what, it's like, it's this like sigh of relief that like, okay, like this is going to sound so corny, but like dreams do come true. <laughs> you know? But you got to make them work. You got to work hard exactly. for your dreams. And, and, and that's, if you want it bad enough, you
0: can get it. And
1: I really, I really believe that because that's been my own personal experience.
0: You've battled so many things to get here. Like you said, finance, emotion, relationships, family, and health. Like you've as a fighter, Oh my gosh. Like, you all know, I always want to just ask like, what's it like to get to hit someone, but then also you get hit back. And, you know, I am a huge MMA fan and I love watching this part of the sport, especially for women. And to think about, You know, there's you get this opportunity to display this physical aggression, but the discipline of it and the beauty of it and the grace of it it is just so much control. And I just think that's incredible. Like, so what is that like that aspect of the physical aggression, but the discipline and control behind it because of um, the respect of the sport? Mm
1: -hmm. And that's, you know, you said it yourself because of the respect of the sport, that right there. That shows me that you truly are a fan of the sport Christy. because a lot of people, you're kind of normies, your average, uh, you know, casuals fans. Um, they just see it as some barbaric kind of human cockfighting type situation. Yep. And it's really not that, you know, you definitely get um, some bad apples that give sure. the sport a bad name and they want to bring the trash talk, the WWE, not shake a hand, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I'm not down with that. I've definitely fought women that I did not like, mm-hmm. but I still shook their hand, gave them a hug, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Because you just gotta, at the end of the day, realize that you're representing something larger than yourself. Yeah. You're representing women as a whole. You're representing women's mixed martial arts. You're representing the organization that you fight for. You're representing, you know, the country that you mm-hmm. you come from. So, um, sorry, I got off tangent there, you're, but, you're, uh,
0: you're spot on.
1: <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, I, I really.
0: Um, you know, sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> well, around that idea of of what is that lot? Because you funnel that because of your training, because of the discipline behind it, like you know when to stop, like you know how much you know force, yeah, okay. you know how much energy, you know how much. I mean. I just, I I think MMA fighters have to be some of the, just the most, first of all, misunderstood athletes out there, but also the amount of um, expertise you have with your body, your movement and the restraint is just, uh, it's incredible to me. Yeah. So,
1: sorry, um, I'm still sleepy. (laughs) Um, To basically answer your question, the, the... the point of um, mixed martial arts is to respect your opponent, mm-hmm. but you're still going to war. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of times where you might watch a fight and somebody knocks somebody clean out and they're just, mm-hmm. and then the, the person will, yes. you know, kind of follow, go to follow up. And they recognize that that person is just done. They're down mm-hmm. to the count. You don't need to kind of put an extra stamp on it. You know, there's no need to harm that person. You've already won. Right um and, and that control I think that's what you're insinuating right mm-hmm. like you're just in the moment and it's just like kill 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 and and a lot of us fighters we have that like killer instinct inside yes. of us but the mixed martial arts and the discipline and the respect that's where that comes in is just having that kind of control we, not everyone has it you know and so and I can't can't tell you that I always have it because sometimes in my own personal life I, I feel that killer instinct come out, wow. um, at unnecessary moments. And I have to check myself and be okay. like, Hey, we're not in the cage. This is not a fight or flight situation, <sighs> you know? And, and that's, you know, my own personal things that I have to work on. You know, I'm, I'm very quick to be defensive. Um, I don't have a lot of patience, you know, these are, you know, like I might have a, a temper and, and, you know, and once I, I get upset about something, it takes a while for me to calm back down. Sure. But these are all things that I work on in my personal life. And, you know, um, it is hard because, I'm living two, two different, um, lives where it's just like, kill, kill, kill aggression. And then it's like, Hey, be a sweet
0: and loving yes. person. And I'm like, oh, it's real hard sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, that's why I'm just, I'm so amazed at fighters and the, as a, as a person and as a human, because you're also you're talking about this two lived experience or two, to being two different people here you are while having to, you know, prepare, Do all the sacrifice, body relationship, diet, cutting weight, going through everything, injury, surgery, all of these things, go into the public eye train, get ready to go in front of hundreds and thousands of people, that high of that, walking it up there. Going into the octagon, winning your fight, and then afterwards the high and then the come down. And then two days later you may have to stay in the DMV and get in California the DMV, God bless your soul. I mean, like your habits like pull through and go. And like, how how do you like I don't even know how to like how do you manage that emotion of that ha ha ha, the come down, and then like I gotta do now real life for a little bit until I go back to camp.
1: You know, it it really has not like I would say. I would def- I can 110% say that me being a professional cage fighter as crazy as that sounds um <laughs> martial artist I know cage fighter just sounds like whoa
0: but uh <laughs> it's what uh, it is
1: <laughs> yeah it's what it is um it, uh I know that that hasn't like increased my my um aggression it's not like oh because I'm a fighter I'm a more aggressive person mm-hmm. in fact I think it's really the opposite. I think that I had, as a young kid, as a young woman, I had a lot of anger inside of me and I still do. And, um, you know, I'm 33 and this past year is the first time that I saw a therapist and, you know, through Zoom and whatnot, and actually need to find a new one because it didn't work out. But um, I should have thought therapist years and years and years prior to that. Instead, what I did was I was poor and I found fighting and it helped me channel my anger in a positive outlet and it also taught me these things about sacrifice and discipline and respect you know like and and it helped me have more control ironically than if i was just a normal girl just going out you know released angry ashley little girl out into the world you know and so um i'm grateful and you know it's it's very hard to explain unless you've you know been on the mat and had an instructor or a sensei and you know and learned these types of things because it's like you're telling me that this cage, like cage fighting has helped you be a nicer calmer better person yes
0: yes i am mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i completely believe that and back to the discipline and the respect i just i remember when i first uh, the first time i saw um a ufc fight was my boyfriend, when we first started dating. He's like, Oh, we're going, um, we were in, um, I think we were in like San Diego. We're like, we're going to a friend's house. we we'll watch a fight. I'm like, what's a fight. Okay. I watched it. Like, Oh my gosh. And, and after the fight they hugged afterwards, yeah. the two fighters like, are we like in a parallel universe? Because like my idea of sports is football. And so it's rough, tough. Um, everyone really hates everyone as far as, especially the rivalry yeah. right, teams. And that was my aspect of, of sports until I saw that and I'm like, Oh, my gosh. And then um, Tough House came out, you know, like around then. And I started, you know, watching that and and getting more into it. I was like, I cannot believe the ability to sustain self, the discipline, the respect. It all goes back to the respect for one another. That shows how much, you know, they really see one another's strengths, the barriers, the sacrifice that goes into it. So I I think that's really incredible. Um, With you, as you've learned, you've talked about going to therapy. You've been open about your own personal journey. Um, what have you kind of learned about yourself, uh, while training and this being your profession, as well as your own personal growth, especially in relationships? Man, another loaded question is to, uh, so, so yeah,
1: I'm very open and I talk on my podcast every week about my relationships and my my family background and my sobriety. And I'd say that um I always say that ever since I got sober, which I'm a year and seven months sober. And um that's a very long time for me. And yes. uh you know if you're a true alcoholic and and, and I and I am, you know, and, and I and I forever will be. And um you know, but now that I've kind of like just accepted that and kind of um and now consistently been sober. Matt, I have the mental capacity and the um, just the energy and, and the ability to see things clear for what they really are. So I, I just, I couldn't work on myself before because, you know, well, if you're inebriated, you're inebriated. And if you're hungover, you know everything sucks. And, and so, uh, you know, it took me quite a while and it's still a journey that I'll forever be on. But, but number one, you know, if you're struggling with an addiction, you gotta, you gotta stop, you know, and it's easier said than done, but it's very hard to improve yourself when you're battling inside mentally and emotionally and actually physically too. So that was the first step. And now that I'm sober, you know, I'm like, I have to accept that I have these flaws, you know, so I'm impatient, I am defensive I'm quick to be defensive um I you know I have a hard time calming down once I get ang- angry and so it's like it's kind of that funny phrase of like the first step is accepting you have a problem you know so like I accepted that these things are things I need to work on and really my boyfriend you know i'm I'm more in love than I have ever been in my entire life and I've found this partner that, for the most part, he's, he's perfect for me. You know, we, we don't, you know, we, we have our little, um, you know, fights and whatnot, but this person brings out the best side of me. And every time I start to get a little, um, you know, uh, down on myself, he reminds me of, of all, all I'm capable of. And that's okay. essentially I think what we all need. So a partner who brings out the best in us, a partner who reminds us that we can, you can do it, whatever it is. And so with in you know the combination of my sobriety um seeing a therapist accepting that i have these issues my partner and you know it's just like this perfect storm has finally come together for me to to better myself you know i'm doing my reading my self-help books i'm mm-hmm. talking to beautiful people like you who actually know that um there are ways to fix ourselves you know mm-hmm. and so um so just now you know it's it's funny because sometimes I'm like oh man I feel so old and it took me so long to figure this out, but not really because we're, I'm very young in life, maybe not in sports and fighting worlds, but I'm very young in my life. And I'm just, I'm at this point where I just, I accept that, that now it's, it's, it's about fine tuning yourself. You know, like when you're a very young person, it's just kind of about getting through life, especially if you got a kind of situation that I had going on, just, you just got to survive and get through it. And then you become an adult and you can really start to fine tune yourself. And I think. Right now, that's the point that I'm at.
0: Well, congratulations on sobriety. That is a big deal. And like you said, once you get that, I mean, as if anything was possible before, but once you get sobriety, the whole world opens up. And for you, you are the embodiment of the fix yourself first. You know, we go through people, we have toxic relationships, we make mistakes, we have issues. But when we work on ourselves and do the own work, then we're only going to accept people that are as healthy or working on the health journey as we are into our life. And that's your boyfriend. You Mm -hmm. shined out this healthiness as you got in a better spot and you made space for someone to treat you the way you needed to be deserved. And so you both are definitely lucky to have one another, which brings me to want to talk a little bit about this next part of the journey in your life that you you have is your podcast, Sex and Violence. <laughs> so I have to tell you, I, as well as being a fan, you what I think I love the most about you and your work is the normalization you do of talking about the hard topic of sex outside the line sex, things that we don't talk about that we have shame and embarrassment about. So what led you to say, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to talk with fighters and experts about sex and their lives? What, what led to this? Yeah,
1: I know it's, it's very unusual. And it just, like I said before, a lot of things in my life have just you know they're not the norm i mean yes. rebel girl you know like i'm a professional fighter the tattoos the hair like you know the kind of music i listen to it's just everything's kind of just a little different a little a uh, little edgy right mm-hmm. and um you can't help what you love right you just love what you love and so the idea for the podcast came about <clears throat> probably a little over a year ago cuz i sat on the idea for quite a few months and you tell yourself all these things you know like i don't have time you know, I don't know how to do it. And if I suck at it, it's going to be forever out there. You know, maybe someone misinterprets something I say, and we're in this cancel culture where I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. That's the biggest thing is that like, I have so much love in my heart. And what I'm trying to do is like, essentially, you know, leave this world a better place, you know, make my mark, you know, I I don't want to procreate, you know, I'm not going to like, you know, have this, you know, bloodline or anything like that. But like, if you know, when I'm gone, I think it would be pretty cool. if People talk about me and say, man, she was a great fighter. She was fun to watch. And she really was open and honest. And she helped me with X, Y, Z. And so uh, I, I sat on this idea for quite a while because of all the, the fears that we have when we start mm-hmm. something new, the fear of failing, the fear of rejection and all that. And um, the people in my life that love me my boyfriend, my coaches, my family members, anyone that I told the idea to was like, that's a hit idea. I will listen to that. So, um, slowly started to get the courage together. And then, you know, opportunity knocks with, uh, you know, I I had some friends who had a, a studio and said, Hey, if you're the host, we'll edit and we'll record. And, and I just thought to myself, you know and then then mixed with the pandemic you know like i said it was the perfect storm i had a great support system i had uh people that were yeah it was my support system and then i had people that were willing to help me and uh, it was just like i could no longer sit and say well if i had more time or if this if this every i had everything right in front of me and i just you know i've i've always been someone to i've been a doer you know i'd rather yes. attempt and fail than not attempt at all and wonder what if and so So far, so good. We're 40 episodes in. And, um, you know, the reason I I chose the topics is just because it's what I like, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, it's, you know, you, uh, you know, you're a sex therapist and, and a relationship counselor and you have all these things. So you, you wanted to create a podcast about that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was like, okay, can I create, can I combine these things that I love mixed martial arts, the violence aspect Mm -hmm. and, you know, relationship issues, you know, love and not just sex, but, you know, we talk about love and romance and the, you know, dating nowadays versus dating back then. And, and how we, how we uh, court the courtship, you know, all all that, which is just to me, it's so interesting. I love it. You know, like just the way that, that people, people work inside, you know, like the brain and in the heart You know, I I can't help what I like. And so I thought maybe I could put a podcast together for for both things. And and everybody's just been responding very, very well.
0: Well, it's because it's an incredible show. Like you have brought the violence, the MMA aspect of the fighting. You interview fighters, male and female and couples. And the inclusiveness of it that you do is beautiful. On top of your investigative journalism skills, you like this perfect storm for bringing information that we don't talk about to light. And that's why I appreciate you and, and your work so much. So tell us a little bit about how everyone can find you. We're obviously on this episode page at Dr. Christie street slash uh, forward slash podcast. You'll get all the information about the show, but go ahead and share with us where we can connect with you.
1: Yeah. um, The show is on pretty much all major platforms. So iTunes, Spotify, pod chaser, pod bean, you know, if it's a podcast platform, we're, pro, we're pretty much on it. Mm-hmm. And then if you would like to follow us on social media, it's at sex and violence with rebel girl, all spelled out. And uh, me personally, I'm at Ashley A S H L E E M M A. And um, yeah, everything's connected. We would love to have you as a, as a listener, as a supporter, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll, as a guest, you know, we have, fighters medians we just had our first musician Mm -hmm. expert like yourself you know and and i want to be like you said inclusive and um that's one thing i was real nervous about was uh we live in 2021 and there's a he and she and they and them and you know and um, i'm still learning i'm still Mm -hmm. learning and so anyone that um might think that I'm not including them, please bear with me or, or write to me and, and educate me because it's not for lack of wanting, it's just yes. maybe lack yes. of, of, of education.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate that transparency and that openness and we're all still learning and evolving and terminology changes and things change and so we're all just trying to stay on top of it. And I appreciate the openness to receive from that. And the other thing that I really enjoy about your podcast, I don't want listeners to do, uh, obviously follow you on Instagram, subscribe to the podcast, but you with a lot of your experts or and and your fighters and everyone you interview, you ask for questions, you ask for audience questions. And so you let people ask you whatever they want to ask, and their question may be picked. And I like the including them on that. So listeners make sure you go there to get your questions answered. In closing, uh, you know, as you've done all this, you've overcome so much, if there was one thing you would want listeners to know that would just help them as they continue to kind of fix themselves and focus on becoming healthier, what would it be?
1: So a lot of times in my life, I've thought, oh, this is it, whether it was a financial situation or a relationship situation or a job opportunity, like, oh, this is as good as it gets. It's never going to get better. We, I don't know why we do that to ourselves. We tell, we you know, it's very final. Like, oh, And maybe it's not, maybe it's not everyone, but me, I'm an extremist, you know, look, look at me, like, you know, I like what I like and then I like it. I do it a lot and I say it a lot. And And so one thing I would like people to try and, um, you know, easier said than done, but when you're feeling like something's not going to change, you got to know that things are always going to get better. Mm -hmm. And it's very, just kind of cliche and corny to say, but you know, what I've learned in my 33 years is that you know, we're all, it's always going to be, it's peaks and valleys, right? Peaks and valleys or however that goes. And so you, you just, you got to get out of your head when you're in a bad place and keep pushing forward. And that's what I've done. And and I would never practice. I would never preach what I never preach, what I don't practice. You got that makes sense. Yep. yeah. And so, um so trust me, trust yeah. me, Keep pushing forward, you know, this past year, especially 2020 was gnarly. 2021 is not looking so great either, mm-hmm. but uh, but
0: keep pushing, you know, don't be afraid to try new things. This is the time. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here, Ashley. I know you're recovering and there's no fight on the books yet with coming up to put out there. I know it will be soon. We're following along with you and cheering very loudly out here for you. Thanks for the work that you're doing as well with sex and violence. And hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening. Thanks so much for sticking around with my conversation with Ashley Rebel Girl, Evan Smith. I know you can take some things that she shared and apply them to your own life and really be uplifted by no matter whatever you're going through. There's somebody out there who's probably went through harder and you can make it. It's that determination, that discipline and that perseverance and never giving up that has made her as successful as she is. And I know you're doing the same thing. So Make sure you send me an Instagram message. Let me know what you thought about our chat today. And remember, go ahead and jump on over to Dr. Christie overstreet forward slash podcast if you want to come here on the show with me. Have a great week, and I'll see you soon. For listening to my show your support means the world to me remember you can always be a guest on the show to get your questions answered or you can email me your questions on my website if you enjoyed the show please consider giving it a review on itunes and downloading all the episodes you can access all the information i discussed today in the show notes at christieoverstreet.com podcast until next time